0: to read with you in the Gospel of Luke. Luke's Gospel in chapter 14, please. Matthew, Mark, Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. (laughs) Luke 14, verse number 16. Then said he, that is the Lord Jesus, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. You'd think he was inviting them to a gospel meeting instead of a supper, but here's what they said, verse 18. The first said, Well, I bought a piece of ground, and I must these go see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind.'" And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And notice these four lovely words, yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Notice how insistent he is, that my house may be filled. Verse 24, for I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, In contrast to this, back to the Old Testament and the prophecy of Isaiah. Middle of your Bible is often the Psalms, Proverbs, and then you'll come to Isaiah. And it'll be Isaiah and chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Again, it's the 14th chapter. Isaiah 14 and verse number 9. Very solemn words that we read in our Bible here. Isaiah 14 verse 9 hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming it stirreth up the dead for thee even all the chief ones of the earth it hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations they shall speak and say unto thee that's under people actually coming to that awful place art thou also become weak as we art thou become like unto us thy pomp is brought down to the grave the noise of the vials the worms spread under thee and the worms cover thee and so on mm-hmm. I'm sure you're looking at these two passages and really wondering what they have in common. It isn't so much what they have in common as what they have in way of a great contrast. Tremendous contrast. I want to look at them like this as two distinct places. You know, I, I had a lady one time come to gospel meetings, I think on two occasions, one in particular, and at the end of the meeting, I, I'm not sure what your take is on a gospel meeting, she came to me and said this, uh, she really, she stood there and asked her, what did you think of the meeting? You know she She said, I found it very extreme. And I could tell it. she just wasn't too happy, too pleased with it. I said, "She did. You found it very extreme. I said, do you have any idea why it would sound so extreme? Well, she said, no, that's just the way it came to me. Well, I said, you've got it right. Because we are preaching in this hall, night after night, about extreme places. Extreme places. Heaven is an extreme place of beauty and glory and joy and happiness. It is a place that is bereft of everything that has plowed and planted this world with sorrow. Streets of gold and the city and the celestial, the Lord being there. The Bible simply sums it up, I have not seen, nor have I entered into the era of men the things that God hath prepared for him. This is a very extreme place of which we read very little about in our Bible. But I have to remind you that this is a very extreme place and so is the lake of fire, very extreme, extreme just the opposite of what this is every misery that has been here on earth only extends itself, projects itself multiplies itself at that terrible place it is the desire of the gospel preacher and everybody in this audience that is saved our great desire is that you you my friend will never be in that dreadful place so we've read about two things about these places. I want to think about it like this Room that has been made. Here's a man, and he makes a great feast, and he bids many, and he invites them, and they come, and uh, that my house may be filled. Notice what he's saying Room, there's lots of room. Isn't those four words beautiful? Yet there is room. Think, my friend, if you had died last night. Some announcement was made here. Hey, that that boy, that girl, that person, that older one, that younger one that was here in the meeting last week, we're sorry to announce that they have died. Do you understand? You would be in one of those two places. And everybody in this meeting is going to one or the other. To a place where room has been made. Or else to a place where room has to be made. Now, in conversation with the lady who has been attending these meetings last week, Andrew and I were conversing with her, very open about it, very honest about it. And she just can't get into her thinking, these were her words, how a benevolent God could ever let anybody go to hell. Well, my friends, you understand this place was never, never made with you in mind. The Bible's clear about that. It was a place that was made for the devil and his angels, it was never made with you in mind. I know, I only have limited, very limited understanding of what heaven is like. But I know this, that when I arrive there, I will discover it was made just for me. I mean, who didn't arrive on planet Earth and realize that this planet was built just for you? I've often said at these meetings, I can't imagine an orange sky or pink grass, no matter how much a lady likes pink, pink grass, come on. We can't think of of anything but green grass, blue sky, and so on. The air, the atmosphere, to think that across our planet is four to eight inches of topsoil. Without that, we couldn't exist. So I come to a very simple conclusion. This place, this place that we call planet Earth, was built with us in mind. Before we got here. Wherever, here's something for you to maybe remember, it might help you. All of us. No, it's not a ministry meeting. Wherever God takes anybody, okay? Wherever God has taken anybody, it was always prepared ahead of time. Okay? In other words, come to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. He doesn't make man and say, Stay here, stay here. I've got to make a garden for you. But that's all made. It's all prepared remember in Luke's gospel chapter 22 the Lord Jesus is going to institute that which we celebrated this morning and he will say to his own his disciples, he says you'll go and you'll find a man bearing a picture of water follow him, he'll take you to a large upper room, large upper room furnished prepared, and he says you'll make ready the Passover so, whenever God takes man anywhere, it's always a place that is prepared before. John chapter fourteen. What's the Lord Jesus say? He says this: Let not your heart be troubled. You believe also. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house are many of those, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That started in Calvary, friend. When He died, He prepared a place for you. Are you going there, dear? You going there today, man? Hey, how about you, young girl? Dear lady today, are you going there? Most important thing in your life. More than that. Not only does he prepare ahead of time. You know what kind of place God prepares at any time? It's always large. It's always great. I mean, look at this final preparation, if I can call it that. When he speaks of the new city, that great city, Holy Jerusalem. A picture of heaven descending out of the heavens. And you go on and it describes it. It's a city that says it lies four four square. Twelve gates on each side. Fifteen hundred miles that way. Fifteen hundred miles that way. And fifteen hundred miles out. Lots of room. It's interesting. That when man comes to give the Lord something, when he comes to earth, there's no room. No room. It's a guest chamber in Luke's Gospel chapter 2 that they come to. And there is no room. I remember when God says to Abraham, He says, Abraham, the whole land is before you. And Lot, Lot was some little bit of ground that he can cultivate and raise his cattle. I'm a young man that has since professed to get saved. In fact, came and sat down beside me in our Sussex conference. Before he, before Sam got saved, he sent a message to me. He's come to gospel meetings that Mister Scott McLeod and I were having in. Uh, Amherst, Amherst, Nova Scotia. He sent a message to his grandmother. His message was this: "I don't like crowds." Okay, now, given that we were in a not too big a tent, and it was it was a little tight. You were you were packed in a little bit, but uh, you were in this tent, and uh, it was pretty close quarters. But we're still in of room. He says, "I I just don't like being cramped." He said, uh, you know," he says, "I'm just not comfortable with crowds." I said, Grandma, will you take a message back to that boy from me? I said, what do you want me to tell him? You tell him this, that if he doesn't like crowds, he's going to the wrong place. My friend, this is where the crowd is. This is where the majority of people are, unfortunately, by choice. Not not because God didn't love them and wanted to send them there, but they're there by choice. You know the sad thing is? Well, why well, why are they doing that? Um, Isaiah chapter 14 making room because those people weren't supposed to come they weren't expected the people are there they know why they're there I mean there's a man in Luke's gospel chapter 16 he's not arguing, hey how come I'm here I was better than my neighbor I was a church going person, how come I'm here he doesn't dispute that Cain will say just like you Cain will say, my punishment is greater than I can bear, but he's bearing it and he hasn't worn a day of his sentence yet he's been there a long time so everybody in this meeting today everybody is going to a place where room has been made or they're going to a place where room has to be made hope there's nobody that's going to that place that will die in their sins, make up their mind this isn't for me this is for mom and dad, my sister, my brothers, whatever but this really isn't for me that'd be your choice Let me remind you, friend, God will respect your choice. More than that, He'll hold you to it. God will respect your choice. More than that, He will hold you to it. Now come back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Here's a man, just not any man, it's a certain man that makes a great supper. Because it's telling you, not every man can make a supper like this. It's a great supper. You don't arrive high your bag lunch there. There was room, there was abundance. One thing, there was plenty of room for everybody. I can remember one time going to a wedding, and it was really a bit of our fault. Um, I think they'd invite us. I don't know how to tell you this juncture. Or not. I'm not real big on weddings, really. They, they burn up a lot of time, to be honest with you. But I go to them, okay, and put a smile on and be as happy as I can. On this particular occasion, I think we had declined the invitation, but changed our mind. And uh, when we arrived... Um, I went to back, she says, you know, there's nobody marked the table for. us no. I said, they'll likely find something. And pretty soon there was a shuffling of chairs and there was tables being arranged. What are they doing? They're making room for the unexpected. Do you know when I arrive in heaven, they're expecting me. Are they expecting you? No, I'm serious about that. Are they expecting you, sir? Are they expecting you? Does anybody down here know you're going to heaven? Did you ever tell them that? Should, I, I don't tell them that. And they're expecting you up there? Something's wrong. Luke chapter 14, this man makes this great supper. Now listen, here's what he had to do to make that supper. First of all, you must understand he had to finance it. Somebody had to pay the price. Come on. Whatever it was, that doesn't come for nothing. Somebody had to pay the price. It was financed. Somebody had to had to actually pay it. There used to be a, a place where I used to go, Madawaska, Maine. Mr. Frank Ternikandisi used to go up there and they loved it when Mr. Ternikandisi came, I don't know how much they thought when I came because he all took them out, he took them all out for uh, steak supper and Mr. Ternikandisi had the means to finance it I guess and they kind of enjoyed it, they looked forward to this Frank's coming, and when I was saying nothing, they knew we're going for steak supper somewhere now he that listen a man could finance that and not be willing to do it ok a man can finance that not be willing to do it understand when the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, friend he literally undertook the total cost of what it would cost to redeem you to save you from going down to hell pay that tremendous price nobody else could pay it nobody else could finance it more than that he had to be willing to do it you know why he did it? because he loved you and he loved his father and his father sent him to be the savior of the world and when he died and said it is finished, it was payment in full you do not have to pay a thing. You don't have to work. You don't have to do anything. You know all you have to do? It's just what this chapter says. Come. Come. It's God's favorite word. Come thou and all thy house into the ark, said he to Noah. Come thou and let us reason together saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come is God's favorite word. How's the Bible close? Revelation chapter twenty-two, verse seventeen. The Spirit and the Bride say, "Come." Let him that heareth say, "Come." Him that is athirst, come and drink of the water of life freely. It's like the Bible opens and it closes. It bookends with exactly the same word, "Come." It's like people write to you, you know, and, uh, and they really want you to come. <laughs> Repeatedly, they're saying in the email or whatever, "Hey, please come. Please, just this time, come, come." My friend, do not, do not play with something that has cost God infinitely to provide an invitation to you today, and it is this, come. my none of us that are saved today, regret the day that we came. How do we come? With nothing, strength, without strength, without money for one year. Well, yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not only did this suffer have to be financed, it had to be first. First, if salvation can wait till tomorrow morning, you don't want it bad enough. If you can get by with what we're preaching without it, till later in the week, you don't want it bad enough. Whenever God puts the word come, he often puts the next word come now, that's the condition of it. Come now, not tomorrow, not when you think about it. This here very obviously not only had to be financed, it was first you know, they, they must have thought this was kind of an interruption or inconvenience to their plans it was just as convenient, you know, nobody gets saved when it's convenient, I have yet to hear anybody stand on a platform anywhere at any time and say, you know when I got saved? well, the family were all raised, home was all paid for children were married and, married and we just sat down and thought, hey, this wouldn't be a bad time to get saved never happens, never happens friends when people get saved and the Bible is now, it's at the most inopportune moment. Okay? The most inconvenient time when everything's going against them. I mean, the sky could be falling in on life itself and they realize, I need Christ. That's who you need, friend. You need Christ, young man. Don't miss them. Don't miss the Savior. Don't miss the invitation. Now, wait a minute. This is not the first time these people were invited. No, he said, go to them that were bitten. They had been invited. Who am I speaking to this morning? And this is the first time you've ever heard this. Even if it's the first time you've heard it like this, you mean to tell me you've never heard before that there's a God in heaven that loves you, that made a provision for you in heaven through His Son, and He bids you come? i very seldom I've met people that didn't know something, just a little bit about that. So the invitation goes out, and of course the help of one consent began to make excuse. No, people are good at excuses, or some of them good at much else. You ever meet people like that? They can excuse themselves from everything and anything. At home, we invite, my wife and I, we invite people to our place. And I know what's going on. Sometimes my wife will say to me, She says, You know, I think you should give up. They don't really want to come. Surprise, surprise. And they don't want to come. Now do you think that I keep pestering them? No. No. I say to people, I say to you here in this meeting today. I say to I walked into a man's farm here just almost uh, well, a few years ago now, and I've done it you know different times. Finally I, I said to him, I says, Doug, Doug, I found my way in here, I didn't find my way out. You don't have to blow your stack, lose your cool, just tell me, please leave. I'm out of here. Is that clear? Well he says, that's what I mean, out of here. And I was out of there. He's dead in 10 days. There's another man running his farm now. Another man driving his tractors. Another man feeding his cows. Doug's gone. Doug didn't think in his 40s that life could be so brief and so short. That's one of the different ones that I can tell you about, friend. You say, well, I don't like preachers that get on my case. Oh, oh. Would you like a few emails forwarded to you of people that didn't like that either? I just got one from a girl two days ago. She says, thank God. Thank God you ever kept coming. She says, I know. I used to see that black pickup coming in the driveway and I think, oh, no. You relate, right? You go talk to Christy Thomas today and ask her. She says, thank God you ever kept coming. Now I'm not saying that to my credit. I'll tell you, this is a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing to have been a partaker of this supper that we're talking about. And these people really, what they thought of the supper is what they thought of the person. Isn't that the same today? What do you think of the supper is what do you think of the person? Now, I have to be honest. This is, I usually am very conversant. and I don't I'm, uh listening and talking with people. But there are certain people I do have a difficulty with, okay? And my wife will say, you know, so-and-so called us up and they want us for supper. She says, great, where are we going? We're going tomorrow night. great. There's others she'll say, so-and-so wants us for supper. I go, oh, Really? That's a long night. You know what the truth of it is? First of all, fess up. What I think of them is you do what I think of the supper. I sit a hot dog at home and go there and have to make buttons all evening. Listen to what the Bible says. What do you think of Christ? Ah, couldn't you help but love him this morning as I heard these dear brethren. And by the way, we'll put in a little ministry here. brethren. Let's shorten up on our prayers a little bit. Let some of these other men in. Somebody said this morning didn't get an opportunity because likely I prayed too long, okay? Some of the others maybe need of a little check there, get a little log. Oh, a brother came to me one time. A young brother came to me and said, Mr. McCandless, you've know, you, you got a little log and you're praying. I thank him for it. Well, wasn't it beautiful just to sit there and sing those beautiful hymns this morning and remember the Lord Jesus and go into his courts and worship him in the beauty of holiness? You know nothing about it. Not saved. Wouldn't you like to? Wouldn't you like to be saved? Wouldn't you like to be going to heaven? Wouldn't you like to be going to a place where room has been made? Now, the room has to be made. We were, some of the family here they're going to relate to, we were one, one time at a conference. Well, a conference many times, but, you know, some of the Christians used to bolt a little early because, you see, we used to have the ferry running from the mainland to New Brunswick and they'd like to go early because they didn't, well, I don't want to go early. Line up down the ferry. So, uh, the kids would come to me and they say, "Dad, they knew better. Are we going early?" I said, well, the conference is finished." Well, the Stewarts and the so and so—they're going early. I said, "Let them go." I said, "We're staying." That was, that was no question about it, so we stayed. We're driving a little Plymouth Horizon. I mean, that was a test. Everybody that's so older was had a Plymouth Horizon. That was a challenge. We're packed in this little Horizon. And we had finished the meeting off and now we're heading down to the terminal and there's rows of cars and, and just as we get there, they're starting to row, load one of the larger ferries. And the kids said, boy, do you think I said, I'm going to make that ferry, guys. We can't get on. And wouldn't you believe it. We drive right up until the deckhand puts down the pilot. Shoo! Look Looked more like a jail guard than he did a man working the deck. And uh, the oldest daughter, maybe a little like her mother, cranks down the window and sticks her head out, and says, Sir, we're just a little car, you sure you haven't got room? And he looks back at her as if to say, The nerd of you. So he thought about it in a minute, got his big whatever his walkie talk to us, call it out, speaks them up on the deck, and uh, looks again, the noise moving too fast. Walks over towards that pylon picked that pylon up, and he says, Phew. boy, I tell you, the jubilation of on that little horizon. Yes! That was true mechanical spirit. Yes! You know what they did up there? They made a little room. It's the only reason we got on. That will never happen in heaven. Now, no, don't have to push aside, oh, I didn't know so-and-so. You know, I was just enjoying the other day, and so be it. You know, in that day, is a wonderful Christian, so the Lord will never walk up to me and say, you yeah, know, like Christians do, you know. And they can't remember your name. You say, oh no, I, I'm a missionary in Africa. Nothing goes them. No, I, I, Oh, my canvas, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah I it, but The Lord will never walk up to me and say, um, where did I meet you? Not at all. You know what, you know what I really believe? I can't fight in the Bible. I'll tell you what I believe, brother. I believe he'll be smiling before he gets to me. I got verse for that too. Luke chapter 15. When he picked up that sheep with joy. Tell me where the joy ended. Never ended I believe when he comes to me, the smile will already be there. Never would he forget that warm summer night in southwestern Ontario. Went through that verse that we were listening to this morning. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I understood I was the lost one. And he picked me up like that. Shepherd, picked that sheep up rejoicing. And he's never forgotten about me since. And he'll never forget about me. Let me remind some of you in the meeting today that are going to a place and you know you are where room has to be made. Do you know something? You'll be forgotten that you're ever there. You will be forgotten that you will ever been existed. Even though God has loved you to that point. Oh, you say, Where's your verse for that? The name of the wicked shall rot, and they shall not be had in remembrance. I visited a man in one of our federal prisons. About a month ago, sorry, I didn't get to see him just before I left this time. He was having a down day. So I got talking to him. I said to him, I said, um, you know, Kenneth, I said, uh, how's it going? I said, you know, just not one of those days. we so glad to see you. He said, do you know what is bothering me? He says, I am to come up for parole another month. And, and for no reason, it shouldn't, I shouldn't think like this, but somehow it gets through to me. What if they forgot I'm here? What if they forgot I'm in this prison? I mean, I think I Thousands of prisoners that are in this country. What if I'm forgotten? Well, I'm saying, oh, you know, Kevin, they get got yard records. He says they're doing nothing about it. What if I'm forgotten? Now, I can tell you, I doubt that Kenneth Layton will ever be forgotten in a New Brunswick prison. But the Bible says they, they shall be forgotten in the city where they had sewed on but you know the sad part is you won't be forgot you won't forget you will remember this gospel meeting you miss it friend if you fail to arrive in a place where room has been made by trusting Christ as your Savior and you die in your sins and go down to hell you will remember everything you will remember things that God will see to it that the Christians will forget it will be banished from their memory the tears, the sorrow Things that happened in life. And that place of cloudless day will all be forgotten in heaven. Aren't you looking forward to getting to heaven? Wonderful place. And you know that the only other side of it is this? It has to be. If you die in your sins and you go down to hell, your parents will forget they had you. It's all in business. Your parents will forget they had you. Why is this man so insistent that this supper, that every seat—why is he so insistent on that? That my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. Well, please understand, my friend, heaven isn't just some place of unlimited rows of chairs where you sit and you sink at the back of somebody's head. That's not heaven. I used to think of that as a kid. He thought of it, did he like that? I used to think of it like some ongoing, boring afternoon ministry meeting you just wouldn't quit. I used to think that was heaven. Not so. Not so. Some place of joy. But it is where we have our place. The reason that the house had to be filled, let me suggest to you would be this. Heaven would cease to be heaven if I had to look at a place where my girl could have been and she'd missed it. It would cease to be heaven. I say, oh no. Heaven would cease to be heaven if I had to look at a place and say, my boy could have been there. My boy that just wasn't interested in the gospel. There's just so many things he was interested in, but not the gospel. My boy could have been there, but he missed it. Is that going to be you? Or are you going to arrive at the place where room has been made? So they all began with one consent to make excuses. You know, the one says, you know, I bought five yoke of ox, and I go to approve them. Another says, you know, I bought a piece of land, and another says, I buried a wife, therefore I cannot come. What's the difference in them? Nothing. Nothing. They aren't even worth talking about. Not even worth talking about. Do you understand? The excuse that you think you have today as to why you're not saved isn't even worth talking about. Like, well, I'm sure if I talked to you and said, uh, how come you're not saved? How come you're not saved? Oh, you'd start and you'd have these... Those aren't reasons. Those are excuses. They're not even worth talking about. Weren't you to notice something that this man that provided the supper did not do? Okay? To my mind, there's only one thing he did not do. Now, there's a lot of things that he did. Okay? Got the provisions. Made the supper. Made the room. Did everything. Sent out the invitations. Sent out the servants. There's one thing he did not do. You know what he did not do? He didn't take any time to talk them out of their excuses. He didn't say to that man, Man, what are you talking about buying a piece of ground? You gotta go see it. How much dirt can you see in the dark? To supper, no. or to say to the other man, "Come on, you know the rules of purchasing livestock. You, you try it before you buy it." But you're going to prove these oxen a little late, man. See how silly they are, how ridiculous they are. Another man says, "Well, I married a wife, and well, she could have come too." But he does not take any time to try and talk them out of it. I'm here to tell you something. I, I'm just repeating something I told you earlier, just in different words. God isn't going to spend any time trying to talk you out of your choice. You make up your mind? This really isn't for me just now? Fine. God says, leave them with it. That's what he says in the book of Hosea. He says this Ephraim is joined to its idols. Let them alone. I, wish I don't have idols. My friend, whatever is keeping you from Christ, whatever is keeping you from salvation is an idol. It could be so insignificant. I'm reminded of a fire in the city of Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, not far from where I live. It was one of the first times they used one of those large catch nets the fire department did. This fire. apartment this was on fire, and there was a mother and three children. That mother came to the edge of that balcony and very hesitantly delivered her precious children to that net. And that... That crowd, would, those firemen, as they stood there with that net, watched that child come, they'd lift it, they'd catch that child, and somebody else would pick it up, put the net back. and you know The time was not taken in. It's just the time was in her letting go of the child.
1: Finally, all three to
0: safety. Then they raised it. A couple others came in. Mothers could have been heavier than the child, not that she was a large woman, she wasn't. They called up to her, jump, just wait for the last final cheer that Mama's safe. To their surprise, to their amazement, she turned and went back into that burning apartment. You know what they found later on? A charred body. You see, what happened? The only thing they could put together is that she had a souvenir. A little shell comb it was a souvenir she, she had it in her hand. She went back in to get it, didn't want it to burn and cost her earthen. She's just joined to that shellcomb. You say, what the earth? Same thing as you're doing. Same thing as you're doing. Isaiah twenty-eight is one of the most solemn passages in the whole, whole of our Bible. Just as sure as that feast had to be financed. It had to be first. It had to be filled. Here's a place that is filled. There's no room. Isaiah chapter twenty-eight there they are and they're pushing each other and shoving each other and finally they see somebody else delivered to that dreadful place and they said what are you doing here you know there's people I'm sure that you expect to be there I mean there's men that I talk to at times and they're rough, tough, godless cursing men immoral men, wickedness of every kind somehow you imagine them being there not you. Not you. You know what they say? Well, you become as weak as us. What are you, what are you doing here? Well, they not saying that coming day. Hey, listen, you heard the gospel. and you heard the gospel. How come you're here? Why well, have to go down to a place like that, my friend, when you don't have to go to a place like that? Why not simply come to to the Savior who wants to take you? Take you to heaven. You know, sometimes people will say to me something like this. You know, uh, how does a God, a loving God, send anybody to hell? Now, here's something for you to understand, but understand clearly: God does not send anybody to hell. More than that, He doesn't send anybody to heaven. When it comes to heaven, He takes them there. They're still in the Shepherd's care, and He literally takes them there but when people go to this place they go there themselves that's their choice it's just a projection of their choice and that's why they're there come back to Luke chapter 14 here's the man and he goes out into the highways and the byways and he compels them to come in says the man that my house may be filled and it is filled that's interesting for those that didn't want it somebody else took it I mean, there's a man by the name of Esau in the Old Testament. He didn't want it. He was the oldest. He should have known better. He should have wanted it. It was the birthright. And looking over his shoulder was a brother. He said, I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, you want want my... You want what's on the stove? You want a bowl of stew? By all means, give me your birthright. So, he took the birthright. The whole nation of Israel said, No to God. No to God. You know what God did? He says, there's Gentile nations out there that you call dogs. He said, I'm going to bring those Gentiles in. And if you're ever going to be saved, you're going to have to be the same as those Gentiles. You're not going to come on Jewish ground. You've got to come on the grounds of grace, not on the grounds of the law. And the result of that, my friend, is he sent his son into this world to break down that middle wall of partition, to literally abolish Jew and Gentiles. God looks down from heaven today, looks into this gathered company, this large company of people here this morning. He does not, this afternoon, he does not look for uh, Catholic, Protestant, Hindu, Muslim, doesn't care what country, kindred, wherever you came from. You know, he sees two kinds of people here. He sees people that are going to a place that he has prepared. He's They're going to a place... Where there is room. There's room, yet there is room. That's a wonderful thing. I couldn't stand on this platform. I wouldn't even be here today. If this door over here had become this door, the door shut, understand there's no room. As much space as may be there, there's no room. But the wonderful thing about announcing of the gospel today is that I can actually stand here and announce to this company that at 1244 Eastern Daylight Time, there is real. Now it comes back to you. You can simply say, like these people, you can hold with your excuses, die and perish and go to a place you were never intended to go to where they have to make room for you. Or you can trust Christ as your Savior. Accept God's Son. He that believeth on the Son, hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You can do that. And know for sure on the authority of the Word of God that you are going to heaven. You are going to a place where they are expecting you. You don't arrive there as maybe you have at certain gatherings and you have to introduce yourself. where some kind of a name tag. Not at all. They will know you. Do you know why? Because everybody will know Him. Would you not want to know Him today? Trust Him. He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. Shall we pray?